A mother murdered on the main line. Somebody came in and took her out, and her car was taken. Her killer, a mystery for decades. This is their best chance to find answers. On KYW's true crime podcast, Gone Cold. Subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts. KYW Original Podcasts. So Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania, granted clemency to eight people who were serving life sentences this year. One of those people is David Shepard. He's 54 years old. In 1992, he and three others were convicted of robbery and murder. A governor cutting a prison sentence short usually does not make national news. It's not the story that gets national headlines, but this one did. Jim Melward is a suburban bureau chief for KYW News Radio. Let's start out by talking about what happened 30 years ago. How did David Shepard end up in prison? We'll start with the, the Delaware County issue that is hanging him up right now. In January of 1992, uh, he's accused of stealing a little over $300 worth of jeans from a Springfield store, uh, which no longer exists. He had a hearing scheduled for that that he didn't show up for. Later that same year, uh, and this was the, the major issue, he took part in a robbery of an Overbrook pharmacy with three other men. And one of those men shot and killed Uh, the pharmacy owner during that robbery, a man named Thomas Brannan, a 64-year-old. And all four of them were convicted of second-degree murder, which carries a life sentence. Uh, So that is why uh, he was in prison. The retail theft charge at the time probably didn't seem like much, uh, but now that his sentence had been commuted, it became an issue. And and let's talk about how this story has developed and exploded. It started out as a local story clemency issue locally, and it's exploded on the national scene. What happened here? How did that happen? Who picked up on this? Well, one of the the major springboards was a tweet from Kim Kardashian in support of David Shepard. That was kind of prompted uh, as it came out that he was going to be released from prison. Lieutenant Governor uh, John Fetterman sent an email out to everyone saying that, look, they're going to let this guy out of state prison, but the Delaware County DA's office is going to keep him in prison based on a retail theft charge from 1992 for about $300 worth of jeans. That got some legs, and then with the the tweet from from Kim Kardashian, got national attention, basically went viral, uh, and all of a sudden, all eyes were focused on this case. So somewhere in between the tweets, the emails, the hot takes and accusations, what's actually happening here? This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. Tell me what what Shepard's role was in that robbery. That's a good question. And it depends who you talk to, because if you talk to the governor's office, he was simply a getaway driver and a lookout and stayed by the door. If you talk to the Delaware County DA's office, uh, who says they have accounts uh, from people who were in the courtroom that day that the governor's office never seeked out or heard from, they say he was much more involved in that robbery. And they say court records show that he was one of two people who pointed a gun at a woman to get the woman uh, to open a lockbox. So... That's kind of part of this. That's part of the controversy. Was he just kind of caught up in this robbery, a lookout, 
uh, getaway driver, or was he? Now he didn't fire the, the shot. He didn't. He did not fire the shot. But the law says if you're part of a group uh, robbing somebody and someone is killed, you're just as guilty as that person is. And again, the Delaware County DA's office is saying, you know, he actually pointed a gun at someone during this robbery. He didn't fire the shot, but he's not quite you know, the saint that the governor's office is making him out to appear. And now you got two camps, right? One camp says liberals are letting all the criminals out of prison. The other camp says local prosecutors are just being petty and vindictive. It really is. And this is cliche, but it's true in this case. This is the old guard and the new guard. And and this is the outgoing district attorney and, and government across the board in Delaware County has flipped from Republican to Democrat and not to overly apply party labels, but... You know, it, it, it really plays a role here where you have the outgoing Republican saying, look, there's law and order. This is the way it is. And we're not saying that he needs to go to prison for this, but there's an outstanding warrant and it needs to be addressed. And then you have the more progressive Democratic uh, lieutenant governor saying this guy does not deserve to be in jail for his entire life. He, he has he's a changed person. Uh, he expresses remorse. But when you start to kind of scratch into it a little bit, there there is a little bit more here than just simply the Delaware County D.A. wanting to keep someone in prison. When you talk to the Delaware County D.A.'s office and, and Kat Copeland specifically, she says, like, they told the lieutenant as soon as they heard about this, they were notified. They looked it up and said, oh, wait, we have a detainer on him. There's a bench warrant. We need to take care of it. So they told the lieutenant, they say they told the lieutenant governor's office three weeks prior to this that, hey, we need to take care of this. And they didn't hear anything. And it would not have been very difficult to get Shepard in front of a camera, in front of a judge in Delaware County to say, okay, either bail or we can just get rid of this charge. The Delaware County DA's office says there's been an offer on the table, plead guilty, no further penalty, it's done, and it's gone. The lieutenant governor's office says, the guy served you know, a quarter century of hard time in, in state prison. Really, what's a $300 shoplifting charge matter at this point? And he's gone further than that by saying this is an abuse of power by prosecutors. Yeah, and he, he accuses the, the DA's office basically of being against clemency and, say, and, and using uh, David Shepard as, as a tool in their, in their argument, their fight against clemency. And then District Attorney Copeland says, well, you know, you're trying to cover up your own misdeeds because you didn't notify the victim's family, which is state law. A clemency board, a probations board, any of these these boards are required by law to notify a victim's family that there is some sort of, of, of hearing, clemency, probation, parole, whatever it may be. In this case, family members of, of Mr. Brannon, the man who was killed, say they were never notified. It's one of those state laws that there's really nothing. There's no there's no punishment. There's no censure or anything for, for, for a board that doesn't do this. It's just, you know, one of those you're supposed to things. It sounds so it's supposed to be standard operating procedure. It, are there other families? Have you heard? I mean, is it? Did they just for some reason forget this family? Do we know what happened there? This is such a, a, an extraordinary case that, that I don't know that there are too many uh, instances like this. But again, the Delaware County DA's office is saying, look, if this clemency board had talked to this family, these family members who were in the trial, they would have heard a different chain of events than what they've heard from Mr. Shepard himself. Would that have affected the outcome of this? Who knows? You can't prove a negative. Uh, 
the other part of it, speaking, the, the family spoke and said, you know, they're not weighing in necessarily on Shepard's clemency. We're not talking about Mr. Shepard and Mr. Shepard getting out of prison. What we are talking about is how this affected us. We do not want what happened to us being blindsided and disrespected to happen to any other family. Evelyn Brennan Tarpey, who is the daughter of Thomas Brennan, the man who was killed here, we talked to her outside the courthouse uh, in the pouring rain after a bail hearing for Shepard where she said that her family was basically blindsided by this. Last night I was watching Channel 3 News and it was the second story in about David Shepard's family waiting for him. And and we did not want um, to speak about that, but we want to say our family had no idea it was happening. I have lived in the same house for 40 years and had the same phone number. It would have been easy to find me. Thank you. Let's talk about why the governor decided to grant clemency. What? Why did he decide to do this? This has been a push from Lieutenant Governor Fetterman to take a look at, at a lot of these life sentences. And, and if you look at the numbers over the years, you know, there, there's always been this clemency. There's always been you know, the ability of the governor's office, but it hasn't been used that much. And this year alone, eight people have been granted clemency, Shepard receiving uh, the the lion's share of attention, largely because of this bench warrant that was brought up in Delaware County that that kept him in prison longer than, than his supporters say he should have been kept. And, and among those supporters, his son, Devin Shepard, uh, who, who asks uh, why this had to take longer than it needed to, saying, you know, this, this could have been done last week instead of keeping his father in prison over the weekend. I just don't understand why they didn't do that Friday. Why y'all had to draw everything out? You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all could have did this Friday. It ain't nothing but a piece of paper. Or, or, or here you go. He would have still been released Friday. Everything would have been normal. Why do you think they did it? I mean, they did it. You know, they did it for the the victims. They felt like the victims wasn't getting enough, you know, recognition. So I guess, you know, at the end of the day, somebody life did get taken. Somebody life did get took. We not happy about that. But at the same time, that's our dad. We want our dad right here with us the same way they want their dad there with them. We can't change whatever happened 20, however many years ago. Like, all we could do is just keep it pushing, like. Where does the shoplifting charge stand at this point? What's what's the latest on that? And where is he? And when is he going to be released? Do we know? Yeah, Shepard, uh, David Shepard was released from state prison earlier this week, the morning after a bail hearing in Delaware County. He's transferred now to a community correction center in Philadelphia. Uh, as far as that shoplifting charge, he does have a hearing next month. Uh, but again, at a bail hearing, the, the Delaware County DA's office said uh, they were not asking for additional bail. Uh, so he was released on, on personal recognizance, which means he doesn't have to pay anything, but he does. he is required to show up. Uh, for a hearing in January that will address that. And there are a series of defense motions that have been filed on that, including speedy prosecution, saying that they've they violated his constitutional rights because we're all entitled to uh, to have a, a, a court hearing or a series of whatever, have a solution to a, a, a trial in a set amount of time. And here we are 25 years later. So that's one of, one of a handful of, of motions that the defense has filed, and that is to be dealt with uh, next month. What's a Delaware County DA say about that? I know one of their one of the things they had said was it was his response since he skipped out on the original hearing that it was his responsibility to you know notify them. But my gut is when the guy's been put away for life, why waste the time, effort, and money 
prosecuting a shoplifting charge. Well, and I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the fly in the ointment here that that both sides are are using to uh, 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 talking. I, I reached out to some other prosecutors just out of curiosity to kind of get their their point on it, and and the one phrase that that someone used was a circular firing squad. They're both trying to shoot at something, but they're they're hitting each other, and and no one's coming out looking looking too good on this. But but that's kind of the, the issue here is you do have someone who's in in prison for life who has a bench warrant. What do you do with that? Do you deal with the bench warrant when they're in for life? Because they're in for life. Why would you? You're exactly right. Why would you waste time, energy, money uh, dealing with that? But again, when you listen, when the, the Delaware County DA's office says, as soon as they got word that he was going to be let out, they let the lieutenant governor's office know, hey, we have a bench warrant. We need to take care of this. And they say they were ignored. And then, of course, the lieutenant governor says, well, why do you care about a $300 retail theft charge from 27 years ago when the guy has been in, in you know doing hard state time for 25 years? I think he's paid his debt. OK. And Copeland, uh, is she doing I mean, you've talked to other prosecutors. Is this what she's doing inconsistent with what with her job responsibilities, with how she should be handling this? That's that's an extremely difficult question, and it, it's basically up to your own interpretation. She's not breaking any rules, and she actually is following the law. She's doing what the law says you're supposed to do. There are people who will say that Lieutenant Governor Fetterman is trampling the rule of law with his clemency. There are people who will say it's about time that someone starts reviewing some of these life sentences for people who were just along for the ride, who were spending you know, unnecessarily spending their entire lives in prison and have become completely different people than they were when they were 20 something years old and got wrapped up in something like this. The victim notification part of it, you know, there's kind of a feeling of you're certainly not wrong to say like, Hey, victims should have been notified, but kind of doing it after the fact seems more defensive and less effective. Maybe if, if there were some way to get that out in front and say, Hey, these victims were never notified. Like, really, guys, we got to make sure we do a better job of that up front instead of after when, when you know, you're, the spotlight shined on you. Uh, maybe could have been handled better. And also, you know, she, she's on an island here, and, and there's no she, – she didn't get any allies. You know, she didn't mm-hmm. kind of try to, to get a group together to kind of stand up and say this, and she's kind of doing it by herself. I don't know that it necessarily weakens her position, but it certainly makes it a lot harder for her to – you know, her voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, from what you're describing, maybe even just a basic lack of communication between the state and the county and what, you know, I mean, sometimes the a breakdown in communication ends up igniting a political firestorm. Well, and, and that's one of the questions that I've kind of had that isn't answered. And, and I, you know, I, I wasn't doing this in 1992. I, I don't know how things were back then, but you would think when he was arrested in Philadelphia in, in 1992, that the the bench warrant in Delaware County would have popped up and someone would have would have made a call and said, hey, we got this guy. You guys have a bench warrant for him. We got him on second degree murder. I don't know how that worked back then, mm-hmm. but it seems like there should have been something. I mean, I, I, obviously there weren't, you know, the, the simple online databases we have now, but I think there would have been something. Jim Melwert, KYW News Radio Suburban Bureau Chief. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great to be on here. Here's another story you might be interested in on KYW Original Podcasts. In June of 1993, Jennifer Tong was murdered in Radnor, Pennsylvania. Her killing is still unsolved. And now, more than 26 years later, KYW's true crime podcast, Gone Cold, 
is taking another look at her murder. It was a residential neighborhood is where the vehicle was found. There's a woman who lives in Radnor, about seven miles from Jennifer's house. She's walking or jogging around her neighborhood around one o'clock in the afternoon. And she sees a car, Jennifer's car. Camry, is that what it was? Newer Toyota Camry. Color? It was like that greenish teal hunter green that was popular in the 90s. And then she sees something else. The car had its four ways on, and it was this woman who called in, called him because she also saw a blood coming out front of the vehicle and running down the street. That episode comes out on Monday. Just look for Gone Cold, Philadelphia Unsolved Murders on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW In-Depth is produced by Charlotte Reese. Our production coordinator is Ali Amato. Tom Rickard is our executive producer. I'm Carol McKenzie. Help us get the word out about In-Depth by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again next week.